Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. everybody welcome to sands through the hourglass a days of our lives recap podcast my name's tommy and thank you for joining me as i watch recap and discuss classic episodes of days of our lives today we're going to start with the episode that aired on july 9th 1992 and it's a new day in salem and molly is kind of reflecting on the ordeal she's been through with Dr. Newworth and his sexual harassment, or I should probably call it his sexual assault because that's more appropriate for what he tried to do to her. Julie is there and she kind of checks in with Molly, you know, wishes her a good morning, kind of wants to see how she's doing since she came forward with the accusation she made towards Dr. Newworth. And, you know, Molly's kind of taking it one moment at a time, but she says she's doing okay. And Julie shows her the morning paper, which has the article that they had discussed writing at the end of the previous episode. And Molly's kind of taken aback at first because even though she knew that this was happening, it's now a reality that everyone's going to know what Dr. Newworth did to her. And I don't think she was mentally prepared to actually go through this but you know she kind of accepts that it is what it is and you can't turn back now and she wants to move forward with making sure that he's punished for what he tried to do to her meanwhile in the park dr newworth has set up a press conference refuting everything that molly has accused him of doing he's there with his wife and he tries to spin it where he comes off as a gentleman and a family man and how he's had to deal with students throwing themselves at him over the years and that he thinks that this will all blow over and it's just a silly misunderstanding and he would never do such a thing to any young girl. Tanner is walking through the park and he stumbles upon the press conference and kind of eavesdrops from the bushes, and when he hears Dr. Newworth refuting Molly's claims, it drives him insane. And he bum rushes the press conference and begins screaming at him and publicly accusing him of trying to take advantage of Molly and also accusing him for his mother's death and what he did to his mother that led to her death. And the reporters are eating it up. They, they want a direct quote from Tanner and Dr. Newworth kind of tries to calm the situation and tells the reporters that he's just an emotional young kid who's trying to protect his girlfriend, and he kind of just tries to smooth the whole thing over. Tanner swiftly leaves the scene because he's still kind of wanted by the police for attacking Dr. Newworth in the previous episode, so he quickly gets himself out of Dodge and out of view of the public, and kind of is hiding out in the park. He later gives Molly a call from a payphone and asks her to come meet him in the park. He just wants to check in with her and see how she's doing. And, you know, he kind of tells her the whole story 
of how Dr. Newworth also sexually assaulted his mother. So they end up comforting each other and discussing what's going on, and they both kind of agree that they're both going to make sure that Dr. Newworth pays for what he did. Tanner decides that he's not going to waste the police force's time and money by hiding out from them, and he calls them from the payphone to come pick him up. He wants to turn himself in. And he spends a little bit more time with Molly, and the police officers come, and they, they thank him for turning himself in. And Tanner tells Molly, you know, he'll get out on bail. It'll be much easier for him to get out than it will be for Newworth to get off for what he tried to do to her. At the loft, John and Isabella are trying to have a romantic morning together, and there is an incessant knocking at the door that they try to ignore at first, but when they realize the person's not going away, John rushes downstairs to answer it. When he opens the door, it's Lizanne Gardner, who is the lawyer for Alamein Industries, I believe, and she's there because she has some paperwork that she needs him to sign, and his brother, Lawrence Alamein, will also have to sign it. But John tries to blow her off and say, can it wait till he comes into the office? And she kind of says, no, it can't wait. These are important documents. I don't think we really find out what the documents are, and I don't think it's really important. I think it's just kind of, you know, filler for the sake of making these characters look like they have actual jobs. John tells Lizanne that she should have called first, and she says that she did, and she even left him a message, and he says he didn't get it. She invites herself in, and... She has him sign the papers that she wanted him to sign, and she kind of makes a little dig about how unprofessional he's being by not being accessible to her and the company at all times. And she makes a point of telling John that Lawrence is actually going to be meeting her at the office to sign the papers. She tells John that she needs him to stop by the office today because she needs to go over some agreement or some paperwork with him. And he says, sure, he'll make a point of stopping by sometime in the afternoon. And she says, that doesn't really work for her. And, you know, she was thinking more within the hour. And he reluctantly agrees, and Isabella isn't too happy about it. Lizanne leaves, and Isabella tells John that she has to confess that she's been hiding something from him. And the big revelation is that she unplugged the phone, and that's the reason why John didn't get the messages from Lizanne. John isn't too happy with her for doing this, and he tells her that he has a very important job, and he needs to be accessible to his employees at all times. And she agrees. She says she knows, you know, she just wanted them to have a nice romantic morning, and she just feels like he's always so busy at work, and they're newlyweds, and they have a new baby, and she just feels like that they should be spending a little bit more time together. John says he understands, and he tells her that he needs to rush off to Lizanne's office per her request, but he says that they'll take a trip to Italy very soon. Just as he's leaving, Victor Kyriakis is at the door, and he's there to visit with his daughter Isabella and his grandson, Brady. After John leaves, Isabella asks Victor, for some advice on how to get John to realize that he's not spending enough time with her and Brady. And Victor backs up 
what John was saying earlier, saying he has a very important job at Alamine Industries, and that sometimes that takes precedence over being home and spending quality time with the family. Isabella asks how he did it, and he admits that he never really mastered that himself, which is why he probably never had a long-lasting relationship with anybody. Isabella asks him if he thinks he'll ever marry again, and Victor says he doesn't really see that happening in his future, but he's not closed off to the possibilities of love at some point. That's when Isabella decides that she's going to find the healthy balance between business and love. At the Alamine mansion, Lawrence answers the phone, and it's somebody calling for Vivian. He hands Vivian the phone, and it's someone named Mrs. Swarthmore. And Vivian says, you know, I, I can't talk right now, but I'll give you a call back later. She hangs up the phone, and Lawrence immediately asks her what that was all about. And she comes up with some tale about it being an old friend from Europe who is throwing some party, and she wants Vivian to fly out to Europe to attend it, but she doesn't really think she's going to. And you could tell by the facial expressions that she's totally making this up from the top of her head just to get Lawrence off her back. Lawrence drops the issue and starts talking about Carly and how much he misses her and how maybe things would have been different between them and they'd be together had they had a child. And Vivian isn't too pleased about this. She doesn't really like Carly. She thinks that she's better off with Bo and that Lawrence should move on. And Lawrence isn't really happy to hear Vivian say this to him. They kind of agree to disagree on the subject of Carly in a roundabout way, and Lawrence gets ready to meet up with Lizanne at her office so that he can sign the papers that she had John sign earlier. Once Lawrence is gone, Vivian calls back Mrs. Swarthmore, and she informs Vivian that a person named Nikki has gone missing. So I think we're probably going to be introduced to a new character named Nikki pretty soon. At Lizanne's office, Lawrence shows up to sign the papers, and the two seem to be in cahoots in some plan that I'm not really clear on to either backstab John or make some kind of a deal to make John look bad. I, I'm not really clear on what's going on with that situation, but maybe we don't know all the details yet, and that'll be revealed soon. But once they're done talking business... It looks like the two of them are sleeping together, they're kind of flirty, they make out, but they both kind of agree that this isn't anything serious and it's just for fun, so it's basically a friends with benefits situation. At Wings, Victor shows up and he starts talking to Julie and he wants to have lunch with her and she's kind of busy, but she agrees that she'll sit down with him so he doesn't have to dine alone. And Victor kind of reminisces on a time when the two of them were becoming close and how they kind of missed out on an opportunity to explore if there was something more between them. Now, I vaguely know about this. I remember during the Cruise of Deception, which was two years prior to this, that they kind of weren't hating each other and were getting along really well. And I remember thinking that they had really good chemistry. 
but we all know that Doug and Julie are endgame, so perhaps the idea of pairing these two characters together just wasn't something they wanted to go for. The writers were probably afraid that the fans would riot if they permanently broke up Doug and Julie for Victor and Julie. Julie shuts the subject of them never being together down, and she kind of reminds him of all the bad things he's done, and that's why they never really got started. And he admits to, you know, doing bad things, but he thinks that he's a changed man now ever since he found out Isabella was his daughter, and now that he has a grandson with Brady, he's become a lot softer, and, you know, he's... I think he's lonely and he just wants to find companionship with somebody that he feels comfortable with. And I think after the conversation that he had with Isabella about love and business, that it kind of got him thinking about the women that he's had in his life. And so when he saw Julie, it kind of made him nostalgic for what could have been. Back at Lizanne's office... Lawrence is gone now, but she is paid a visit by Gavin Newworth, who has come because he wants to hire her for her services as his lawyer in the case against him for sexual assault. Now, Lizanne has read the paper, and she's aware of the allegations that Molly has made against him, and she interviews him and basically has him explain to her why he thinks that she should represent him. He kind of gives her this whole spiel about him being a pillar of the community, a family man, a respected doctor, you know, basically what he was telling the press at the press conference that he held in the park. She tells him that she needs to think about it and he says hurry because the court date is rapidly approaching. And she tells him that she'll give him a call and let him know her answer. As she's walking him out of the office, Mickey is entering. And I'm not sure if Mickey and Lizanne work for the same law firm, or Lizanne is a partner in Mickey's firm, or if she's just a lawyer that's working for Mickey's firm, but they're colleagues. And Mickey asks Lizanne what the hell Gavin Newworth was doing at their office. And she tells him, you know, that he came to hire her for representation against Molly in this case that she's brought up against him. Mickey tells her that this can't happen because he's representing Molly and that if they took on Gavin, it would be a conflict of interest. She agrees, but you could tell in her face that she was actually considering this. And I'm wondering if she's devious enough to still take him as a client. Because she seems like she could be a little bit backstabbing and conniving. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. Oh, and I just want to make a side note, since we're on the subject of the character of Lizanne, that she's being portrayed by an actress named Lynn Herring, who is the real-life wife of Wayne Northrup, who is currently playing Roman on the episodes that we're recapping. So I thought that was a nice little piece of trivia to kind of add to the show. Back at Wings, Vivian has shown up, and she makes a phone call to Yvonne, who is kind of her right-hand man, so to speak. He usually carries out all her orders and basically does her dirty work for her. He tells her that Nikki is still missing, and there's been no word back yet that anyone knows where he is. Vivian is very distraught, and 
she sees Victor, and Victor asks her to join him, since Julie has decided that she no longer wants to have lunch with him. And they sit, and they kind of reminisce about their friendship, and they're a little bit flirty, and you see Julie in the background kind of jealous. She's watching them, and she is not pleased. So that was kind of fun to watch. She kind of had a little arched eyebrow as she watched the two of them bonding over their lunch. Back at Lizanne's office, John has shown up as he's promised, and Lizanne is a little bit flirty with him. She removes her blazer and is wearing a revealing top underneath. And just as this is happening, there's a knock at the door and Isabella enters. Now, Isabella does not like Lizanne, and the feeling is mutual. And they remain civil, but they kind of make passive aggressive comments at each other. John leaves the office for a moment. And Lizanne makes a comment saying how she didn't think that Isabella would be interested in business, and that's why she asked John to meet her at the office. And Isabella lets her know that she helps run the Toscano Foundation, so she has experience in business. And Lizanne continues to passive-aggressively attack her by calling her clothes frumpy, basically, saying, you know, Maybe one day we can go shopping together. And Isabella doesn't back down. She tells Lizanne that she would love to go shopping one day. John returns and he and Isabella leave for lunch. And as they're leaving, Lizanne says, So let me know when you want to get together to shop. And Isabella gives her a fake smile and says, We'll do. And that's pretty much where the episode ends. So I'm going to pause this recording and watch the next episode, and I'll be back in a few seconds in your time to recap that episode. Talk to you in a few. We will return for the second half of Days of Our Lives in just a moment. Okay, I just watched the episode that aired on Friday, July 10th, 1992. And I noticed in the credits that there is a new writing team. It is Sherry Anderson and Jean Palumbo. So it'll be interesting to see if going forward the show takes on a new tone or a different direction storyline-wise. But all right, let's get right into it. We open at Marlena's house. She's hanging pictures and there is a knock at the door. She opens it and John has come to visit her. He's looking for Roman, but she says that Roman's not home. And he said, oh, I saw his car out front. I thought he was here. She says she was having brake troubles, so they switched cars. And that he left this morning at 5 a.m. John senses that something's a little off with Marlena, citing that he knows her well enough that when she engulfs herself in a project at home, such as hanging pictures, decorating, that it's usually to take her mind off of something. She says that he knows her so well, and they kind of have this awkward moment where they're reflecting on their past history, and you could tell Marlena still has feelings for him, but she's kind of shrugs it off, and they move on to why John is actually there in the first place. He tells Marlena that he came to see Roman because he wanted to talk to him about making a lifelong dream of Sean Brady's come true. And Marlena is very interested and wants to do anything she can to help, and John accepts. 
and they leave to go meet up with the rest of the family. At the Alamein mansion, Vivian is rushing Lawrence out the door, and he says, you know, what is going on? Like, you're hiding something. And she says, no, I just know how you hate it when you're late to meetings. And he accuses her of being very cagey and says, usually this means she has some kind of secret, torrid love affair going on. Her response is, from your mouth to God's ears, which I thought was hysterical, and she pushes him out the door. She then starts to make a phone call, but there is a knock at the door, and it's a private investigator that she's hired to try and find Nikki. She complains that he's late, and he says, I'm ten minutes early, and you told me to wait until your nephew had left, and she says, whatever, do you have any details on where Nikki is? He tells her they still haven't found out anything about Nikki, and she says he's not like normal children. He knows how to speak to people in a way to get what he wants or where he wants if he sets his mind to it. And the man tells her, you know, don't worry, we'll find him. We next cut to an airplane where a nine-year-old boy is sitting and talking to the person next to him about his life and, you know, where he grew up and where he's going. He tells her that he grew up in Europe and he was raised by his aunt who was more like a mother to him, but he doesn't call her mom. And right now he is flying to Salem to live with his aunt. Now at this point I think it's pretty clear that this is Nikki, but they don't really say that it's him until later on in the episode. He's still babbling to the woman just about random things, and the flight attendant gives him a name tag, and it says flat out Nicholas Alamein, a.k.a. Nikki. At Carrie and Jesse's apartment, they're once again fighting over the bathroom. These two really need to get a bathroom schedule going because they're always fighting over it. But they talk about plans and hanging out, and he mentions bowling, and she's not really into that. And they joke around a little bit. She goes outside to get her paper and she sees a woman in a short red dress walk up to Austin's door, knock on it, and he answers shirtless. This immediately annoys her and makes her super jealous and she can't really focus on anything except the fact that Austin is with another girl. Once she's back inside, her whole attitude and demeanor has changed Jesse tries to suggest other things that they could do, and she says, you know, I don't really want to be spending money that we don't have. She says, I think I'm just going to stay home and do the laundry, because somebody has to do it. So he says, why would you want to do laundry on your day off? And she says, you know, just go, have fun, I don't mind. And he says, okay, I'll see you later. In Salem Place, Carly is walking around eating ice cream, and Bo sneaks up behind her. They kiss and kind of, you know, are all romantic with each other. Carly apologizes for not being so supportive of him wanting to be on the police force at first and says that she was just worried about him and she didn't want to have to worry about losing him. And he tells her that he never thought that he would fall in love with somebody else the way that he's fallen in love with her. And they kind of say that they're ready to move forward with their wedding plans. Outside Alamein Towers, Lawrence meets up with Lizanne, and they're a little bit flirty, they kiss a little, but they're very aware that they're out in public and that they shouldn't be doing this, but Lawrence says, you know, maybe we should 
be a little bit more intimate and have dinner together. So they get in his car, they make out some more, and they decide to go to Wings for dinner. When they're at Wings, Lizanne says she heard through the grapevine that John and Isabella would be taking an extended honeymoon to Italy. Lawrence is pleased by this, and he says that they must find a way to get John out of the company and out of his life permanently. Back at Carrie's apartment, she's getting the laundry together, and she gets a phone call from Marlena, who says that they're having a family meeting, and she needs her to meet them at the Brady Fish Market in about a half an hour. Carrie worries that something's wrong, but Marlena says, no, it's actually good news, so just be there in a half an hour, and she'll see her soon. As Carrie's getting ready to leave, she sees the woman that was going into Austin's apartment leaving, and she rushes back into her apartment to try and think of a way that she can get to talk to Austin. She grabs the paper and walks over to his place, knocks on his door, and says, oh hey, I just about tripped over your paper and thought maybe I should give it to you. He tells her that's not his paper, he got it earlier, like he usually does every day. And she says, oh, that's strange. Maybe they delivered a second one to you by accident. They talk a little bit about his music, and she says, oh, I should probably return your CDs. If you want, come over now, and I'll give them to you. He agrees to come over, and she babbles on about which ones were her favorite, and she thinks she wants to buy the CDs for herself. And as they're entering the apartment, the deadbolt, falls off the door which is not how those type of locks work they're usually inside the door they wouldn't just fall off and the whole time I could barely focus on what they were talking about because I'm watching Austin just flick the lock back and forth literally doing nothing saying oh he could fix it but he's just playing with it and I just couldn't focus on anything else Carrie manages to bring up the fact that he had a friend over earlier And he says, oh yeah, she's in a band and she needed a male model for the cover art for the band's album and thought that he would be perfect for it. So she came over for like a little photo shoot. Carrie seems relieved by this, knowing that nothing romantic was going on between them. And he talks about actually going to see a local band practice later on. She says, oh, that sounds like something that's really fun. And he offers for her to come with him. She hesitates at first, remembering that she's supposed to meet up with her family, and he says, you know, unless you have other plans. And she says no, and she willingly decides that she's going to blow off her family to spend more time with Austin. Oh, and I should also mention, while Austin was playing with that lock, basically accomplishing nothing, that she mentioned that her father would be so mad if he knew that she didn't have a lock, and that he's a cop, so he's, like, really overprotective. And Austin gets, like, this really strange look on his face. It's it's kind of a gaze, like, oh, crap, I gotta deal with cops. Which makes me wonder what he might be into that might make him afraid to be so close to someone that's related to a cop. He might be into some shady stuff that we don't know about yet, but I guess we'll have to wait and see what goes on with that. At the Brady Fish Market, Caroline and Sean are there, and they're cleaning up the place, and they're surprised when Bo and Carly walk in, and they say they're there because they have something they need to talk to him about, but they have to wait for the others to show up. 
Sean is a little bit worried, and they assure him that it's a good thing. Next, John, Isabella, and Marlena come, and they say they have to wait for Carrie. But Sean demands that they tell him what's going on right now. Isabella reminds Sean that they do have a flight to catch, so he decides to tell Sean what he has planned. And he tells him that they are standing in the future location of what will soon be the Brady Irish Pub. Sean is stunned, and he immediately tries to not accept because his pride won't let him take any charity. And John says, you know, I know this was always a dream of yours, and you've been like a father to me, and I just want to do something nice for you. Marlena asks to speak to Sean outside, and she tells him, you can't deny him this. Like, he'll be so upset. He's so excited to help you. The whole family has given him so much, and he just wants to give something back. Sean comes back in, and he decides that he will accept the offer from John, but not as charity or as a gift, but as a loan. John says, okay, you want to call it a loan, we'll call it a loan. And Sean insists that he will do all the hammering. He's not going to hire a crew to do the dirty work. And Carly says, we'll all do it. It'll be a family project. Everybody will chip in. And everybody is so excited, and they can't wait to get to work on this new project. And Isabella says, oh, we got to get going to the airport. And Carly offers to drive them. And they all get going, and that's where we leave off with that storyline. Back at the Alamein mansion, Victor comes to have dinner with Vivian. And he can tell that she's a little distracted, that she definitely is going through something or has something on her mind. And she says, why don't you make us drinks and I'll go check on the dinner. And she receives another phone call from the private detective who says that Nikki was last spotted at Zurich Airport getting on an international flight, but he disappeared and they don't know where. She then pulls Yvonne to the side and tells her to go to the airport and check out every international flight that has come in and try and see if he can maybe find out if Nikki came into Salem. Back on the plane, it seems that the plane has already landed, and Nikki says to the flight attendant, I haven't seen my mom in forever. I want to give her a really big hug and kind of have a private moment with her. Do you think it would be okay if I left the airplane by myself? And the flight attendant agrees to let him have his own private moment with his mom. And Nikki has this smile on his face like, yes, I pulled another one over somebody. At Salem Place, Carrie and Austin are having lunch or maybe an early dinner at Johnny Angel's. And they're talking about the band and how great they were. And Bo is on a walkabout with his superior, I suppose. I guess it's part of his training, and he stops for a break and talks with Carrie and Austin. Carrie introduces Bo as her uncle, who's training to be a police officer. They shake hands and say, nice to meet you. Austin says that he should get going and that he'll see Carrie soon. And Bo says, nice to meet you, and he takes a seat with Carrie. Carrie wants to know what Bo thought of Austin, and Bo tells her he just met him, so he doesn't really have an opinion, but he seems like a nice guy. 
and he can immediately tell that Carrie has a crush on him, and he calls her out on it. She denies it, of course, and says that he's just her neighbor, and she thinks that maybe her dad would be more okay with her and Jesse living together if he knew that there was another guy around to kind of protect them, so to speak. <laughs> Back at the airport, Nikki is off the plane, and he seems very pleased with himself. And he asks a man where he can get a taxi, and he tells him right out front. Nikki removes his name tag and throws it on top of the magazines. And he goes to walk outside the airport, and Carly goes rushing right by him, giving John and Isabella a blanket that they had left in the car. She says her goodbyes to them, and she wishes them a happy honeymoon. Back at the Alamy mansion, Vivian fakes a headache to get Victor to leave, and once he's gone, she checks in with Yvonne, who says that he's seen no trace of Nikki. She's very disappointed and says she's turning in for the night. She goes upstairs, and just as she's turned in, there's a knock at the door that she doesn't hear, and when there's no answer, the person lets themselves in, and it's Nikki. He looks around the mansion and walks into the living room, throws his bag down, and kind of makes himself comfortable on the couch. And that's where we end the episode. So once again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. This concludes another episode of Sands Through the Hourglass, a Days of Our Lives podcast. If you want to find the podcast, we're on SoundCloud, and I'm officially on iTunes, and you can just search Sands Through the Hourglass, or Sands Through the Hourglass, a Days of Our Lives podcast. If you'd like to tweet at me any questions, comments, concerns regarding the podcast, you can tweet me at SoRidic, S-O-R-I-D-I-C. If you want to email me something lengthier, you can find me at blueboy85 at gmail.com. That's B-L-U-B-O-Y 85 at gmail.com. And I can't wait to record the next episode. I think... Ultimately, what I would like to do is get a full week's worth of episodes done in a podcast, but that could be very lengthy, and I kind of want to keep this podcast under an hour, but it's trial and error, and we'll see how it goes. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.